It's been a few days. We're at the end of the week. And I still feel as hype about it as I did on Sunday night. You mean you're not picking it apart for the rest of your life? I am going to pick it apart for the rest of my life. And trust me, there are a lot of things that we'll talk about today and that we've said all season long that I really take issue with. But I, what we said at the beginning of the week was that for me, the emotion was there. And I felt like emotionally things were tied up really nicely. And I still feel that way. And I don't know. I feel like all season it's been, and I'm, I'm not trying to like call people out for being upset about it because people can feel the way that they want to feel about it. And everyone's going to have a different opinion and everyone's going to relate to what Game of Thrones is doing on a different level. But I do think that people are being, I think that people in general are being pretty harsh about this episode and about the season in general. And so I'm always kind of surprised to watch the episode, record our podcast, take a step back from it, read everything, and then come back to the episode again and still feel the way I felt the first time around. But that's just my own experience. And I know that not everybody has felt that way. What do you think the episode or the season at large was missing that made people feel like it was worth it? Because I know that I had a few aha moments in the final episode, but I don't know if everyone felt that way. Do you remember when we were watching and Bran said, why do you think I've come all this way? And we were like, I think maybe not everyone felt that way. I think that that was supposed to be a very important and poignant moment. And the fact that not everyone felt that way means that something didn't work for a lot of people. It means that maybe they were expecting to see other stuff to lead to that moment. It means a lot of different things, but I think that it worked for us because we were staring at it really intently and have been staring at it really intently and openly for a while. And we just Mm -hmm. want it all to go in a direction. We want it to fit in certain boxes and when that comes around, we're like, we can kind of recognize what it was supposed to be rather than it happening to us naturally. Yeah, I think so. And I also think that, and for for good reason, people get set in their own hopes and theories and ideas of how this story should be wrapped up. And just because Sansa became queen in the North. And so I don't care about anything else. Yeah. You're like successful finale for me, everybody. But you know what I mean? Like to me, that's like my ultimate number one dream of all of a song of ice and fire. And here it is happening right before my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's easier for me to then be chill about everything else that's going on because I'm like walking around thinking about Sansa being crowned all week long. Um, but if you had so, your heart set on seeing Daenerys sit the Iron Throne, this this episode slash the last couple of episodes might have been a particularly dreadful slog for you. And it's like terrible. make you question why you spent so much time watching the series. It's like, I understand the Red Wedding happened and that was really tough, but we all knew that that was at the end of season three. There was time for all of this morality to extend and blossom and sort of resolve itself in a way that we felt good about, but rather were unresolved and those first lessons that we were swimming around in at the beginning of the series, things like Ned Stark getting his head cut off unfairly, Jon Snow getting sent to the North against his will, but we kind of know that that's a different thing. Either way, it all sort of just falls into a thematically the same stuff that we've been dealing with the whole time. And it was like, wait a second, I didn't know it was going to happen this way, but it sort of just started falling uncontrollably in that direction. 
and we've talked about how the show matching up with the the elements like the 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 show itself how it's being expressed through the artistry the cinematography the pacing and not only the writing we're like expecting all of it to sort of work for us and i think uh, a lot of people it didn't work for it just didn't like the scenes didn't come together to coalesce an understanding that this would happen that daenerys return and then aha this is the thing at the very end well and especially when the pacing feels off and when it feels plot hole e is maybe too intense of a term but i think that like i'm thinking about how i've been trying to feel about brand this week especially because that's something that i <laughs> confused and laughed at a little bit and mm-hmm. so that's like the piece that i've been thinking a lot about but you know i think that somebody like daenerys there's no way that the show is going to wrap up and give Daenerys justice, I think, because Daenerys is so much grander and bigger of a character than the show can handle. You know what hmm. I mean? And so I feel I I I I like the I like her storyline and I like where it went and I think that it's interesting the way that things ended. But I don't think that there's any real way to make that satisfactory in Game of Thrones. Hmm. What do you think? I mean, we've had time to think about the finale. Mm-hmm. I remember you being kind of soft on the whole brand thing. And for me, that's one of the larger takeaways from the finale. And if you looked at A Song of Ice and Fire at large, you'd see the story beginning with Bran after the, the prologue. And if this were meant to be the final chapter, then we'd see the story ending with Bran being the king of the six kingdoms with a Stark in the rule in the north as an independent kingdom with the White Walkers defeated and with dragons being out of the country. But I guess that's not really supposed to be a good thing because at first we were really rooting for the dragons. That was uh, when Miri Mazdur was putting her magic on Khal Drogo and we heard strange speak from a shy shadow language. We saw weird patterns on the wall. We saw Jorah really understand what Daenerys could potentially be. And we saw all those people bowing at the end of season one. That was like a, a big lightning bolt of hope for people watching the TV show that they were going to go somewhere really crazy. And mm-hmm. I think that this last season was a final opportunity for a lot of that to happen. Like think about, for example, if Bram would have had a sequence in the Battle of Winterfell when he was warging, where he warged into a dragon or warged into some other kind of beast and became really instrumental, but like in a dangerous way where we saw, yeah. where we saw like someone on our side be as menacing as the Night King. Like, oh my God, like look at what he's capable of and look what this potentially stopped. Or Imagine like that Daenerys. Or like that moment when Daenerys, before she burns down King's Landing, she finally gets some oomph back. And we're like, finally, somebody mm-hmm. on our side, <clears throat> whatever that side may be, has some fierceness in her and is mm-hmm. actually going to get something done. And then, of course, that then leads to her trajectory of becoming crazy, which, mm-hmm. you know, so. It would make more sense if we were rooting for him in some kind of powerful superhero way i think it would have landed more on the masses if that if, if it was framed like that and then when it came time for us to choose a king people would have not only the story to relate to as Tyrion so eloquently put it and a lot of people i think that that kind of falls flat for by the way i don't think it really sells across the board 
Because I think a lot of people don't really agree with Brand's story versus other folks' story. But I think that that might not be the point necessarily. If you're watching that scene, really what Tyrion is saying is we can keep this front up as long as possible geopolitically. And it seems like he has this mysterious nature attached to him. So that sort of intimidation will also work in our favor. Also, he's pretty well suited to communicate with the kingdom of the North, which it hadn't been made a kingdom yet, but Sansa and all those people were always going to be a problem if they didn't get what they want. So mm-hmm. it sort of seems like diplom- diplomacy wise, it was a, it was a good choice for them. And I think that, Tyrion framed that conversation like he needed to in front of the great lords of Westeros for a purpose. But I think all of us, and including those people at the council, might have been a little bit more like uh, behold, they would behold him with more respect if he had had this clear sequence in this last season of some kind or any of action. Season. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing, and this is the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. This is the thing about ga- this season of Game of Thrones, and so much of what, so much of, I was about to say what we. I'm not going to put that on you, but so much of what I've enjoyed about the season is taking what they've given us and then looking at it in the context of A Song of Ice and Fire. So, kind of pulling back from things that I see as missteps or as, um. Like failed opportunities? Yeah, failed opportunities are just like not great writing or I don't know. I Everybody knows what I'm talking about. But I think that we've had to kind of fill in the gaps in a lot of places. And I Definitely. think that something like Bran becoming king, there's like nine million times throughout all of Game of Thrones when he's said things or done things that are completely contradictory to what happens with him at the end of this Well, season. isn't that what everyone's doing in the Game of Thrones? But that's the prop. But but that's the problem. It's like Daenerys. The same thing happened to her. Like she's everything that she's done has been completely contradictory to what they turned her into at the end of season eight, and that comes down to pacing and not having enough time to really draw Show that the arc descent out. into true sadness in a way exactly. where she could relinquish her feelings for humanity. Exactly. There's there wasn't time, so. It feels out of character. And so that's like. So that's I think the about, same thing with Bran. You think his just power. Sorry, go on. A hundred percent. I think that when he says how he can't be Lord of Winterfell 9,000 times because he's the three eyed Raven. <laughs> was this like some big elaborate cover up to be to sit on the Iron Throne? Like what can Bran actually see when he says, why do you think I came all this way? From what I've always understood about what he as a three-eyed raven can see or understand it's very much focused on the past and the present and not a clear picture of the future but he makes it seem like this was his goal since day one i don't know i feel i feel like and there's some interesting theories out there and i will want to read through a lot of people had a lot of really interesting comments and we're totally skipping around but um in order for us to make peace with season eight, which I feel like (laughs) I have made peace with it, you have to project and you have to like take a step back. And I think that that's fine. But I think that for me, Bran is my sticking point. Daenerys is a sticking point for a lot of other people. Um, Or Jamie is a sticking point for people, you know, so. Mm -hmm. um, Well, we could definitely poke fun a lot of ways that they move people around. Like for example, Jamie in the penultimate episode, 
just kind of getting around King's Landing and randomly walking by Euron and then making his way into the Red Keep while it's being destroyed and finding Cersei down in there. All of that stuff is just, I think it kind of takes us out of feeling emotional to what was happening because it doesn't seem like he naturally sort of fell into any of those positions. It just definitely seems like we were supposed to watch a TV show and this was happening. Right. Or like all of his whole entire arc was like down the drain as soon as he runs past Euron, you know? And so that's what happens when you spend 10 million hours thoughtfully putting a character somewhere and then you have two minutes to wrap it up. So, yeah, that's that's a shame. But all of that said, I mean, still like the episode. I think a, a lot of people have a problem with Jamie's decision. And I don't know if it really makes sense. Like having that much of an issue with what he does. I know personally you can be like, well, that sucks. Maybe I wouldn't do that. Or I wish Jamie wouldn't have done that to Brienne. But based on not only the rest of the series and the kind of person that he's that he's clearly been, but based on like, even when he promised everyone, when he was headed North, he said that he was going there to fight death and to try to save the living. And they defeated the night King. You know what I mean? It, it, it became the game of Thrones after that point. Mm-hmm. And Tyrion wasn't there. He's got Cersei down in King's landing, his twin who is about to be sieged and attacked. He's mm-hmm. just going to stay in the north where not really anyone is hanging around. He was told by Catelyn Stark that he would be released if he swore to protect her children and to deliver them safely. And we saw how all that worked out. And by the time we're in Winterfell before Jamie leaves, Sansa and Arya are both there safe and sound and Sansa's in charge. I don't expect Jamie to stick around in Winterfell. Not at all. You just didn't want him to go right to Cersei as she was getting attacked? It's not even that I didn't want him to go right to Cersei. It's that I feel like we, and this, I'm wrong, obviously. And I don't, or maybe not. I don't know how it's going to play out in the books, but probably something similar, maybe. Like I always read into what Jamie was doing as him eventually getting to the point where he would betray his sister because he sees Cersei for who she is. And it's like this big kind of like John and Danny esque moment of I see who you who for I see you for who you are and I need to get rid of you situation. I always thought that like Jamie was on this big redemption arc and how poetic and beautiful is it that the guy who pushed Bran out the window is also the guy who can open himself up to somebody like Brienne, you know? Mm-hmm. I just always thought that that was and felt like that was where his arc was going and maybe again that's me projecting a song of ice of fire onto game of thrones because there's been a lot of times in the show where we're like wait isn't jamie supposed to be on a redemption arc and like he's supposed to be pushing away from cersei but here he is like running into her arms um (laughs) talking about season seven yeah 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 so you know well i should have seen this coming i don't know but and that's, I think that that probably is a case of me like, being annoyed that I was misread everything or David and Dan misread everything and we can blame them instead. <laughs> I don't know if they have anything to misread. That might be the problem. <laughs> but anyway, I don't remember how I started, how we started talking about all of that, but. Well, he ended up under the keep 
and they got crushed by rocks. And then just like we guessed, Tyrion found his hand sticking out of the rocks, which I can't believe y'all went there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. It's like what everyone's saying. It's like if they just moved a little bit to the left, you're telling me that they went. I saw that picture. Yeah. I think that it might have been cleared out some at that point, but I don't know why they would clear it out and then also leave the body in there. Someone would have stolen that hand because that hand's worth a lot of money. You think about it. Oh, yeah. Gold is still valuable, even though, you know, certain kinds of paper currency might not be when regimes change, but they still uh, trade with gold and silver and different kinds of precious metals and stones in Westeros. So thankfully, all of that wealth is still protected. That's the uh, unspoken hero in all of this, like the spoils of war that everyone gets when they decide that things go a certain way. It's so funny when you think about them sitting in the small council chamber together, making these decisions. It's I just thinking about Bran being the one that's in charge and what they could potentially do with all of this time that they've bought and this power and those people that they have to not only manage, but that they could potentially use to defend themselves from people that might be coming from other kingdoms to try to plunder some of the wealth of Westeros now that it's been divided or now that it's in this state of, of repairing. But I guess since the White Walkers didn't cross Westeros, the devastation isn't as broad as we thought it could be. And they're just basically doing a lot of renewal to King's Landing at that point. Well, yeah, and King's Landing is pretty decimated. Isn't that what folks are upset about, though? What you were just talking about with Cersei? And not only with how Jaime relates to her arc, but also the potential of Arya getting some well-earned revenge with Cersei. She was there at the capital. Jaime was there at the capital. And it seems like people might might feel cheated because yes. when, when Daenerys crossed that firing line and Drogon shot up on the battlements and started taking down all those crossbows, they pretty much had won because there's no anti-dragon artillery at that point. There right. was no, like we said, there was no trebuchets or other smaller crossbows positioned in the alleyways. So whenever she took those out, that sequence of her taking those out, then we pretty much felt like everything was good. And then Cersei wasn't giving up. So those potential for, for Jamie moving into the capital with Arya and the Hound moving closer into the Red Keep, there was potential for the story to resolve in a way that I think we all expected. And then they chose that that was the time in in the heart of the issues that you're looking to be resolved, they chose or whoever, you know, the writing, this is how the show happened to turn, to make a controversial decision, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like with Ned on the plinth or standing on, on the Sept of Baylor and Arya, she's hiding behind the statue. It's like, we don't want it to go this way, but it's falling through our hands. It kind of felt that way. But I think since there wasn't a lot of the, like you said, the time to really understand where she was going when she torched Varys, that should have felt pretty insane because he's with us since the very beginning. But I remember watching it and just being just like, well, this is just the stuff at the beginning of the episode before the battle comes. So it just, yeah, I couldn't get that emotional about it because it was happening, but it should have felt insane. It should have felt like a lot of things led to this. And I think a lot of people were trying to get something out of it. I saw a bunch of of thoughts and theories online and speculation between the fifth and sixth episode about how Varys was positioning that child, that little bird of his in the kitchen to poison Daenerys. So we're searching for more out of it, even though we're kind of getting rushed through it. And I think that because it happened there in King's Landing at that moment, when all those other storylines were potentially hanging in the, in the balance, 
that decision like canceled out the potential of a lot of that to happen. So I think a lot of people just kind of turned their backs on it, especially because it kind of spelled out what was going to potentially happen to Danny. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's hundred percent. Although I will say that Vericene did do it for me, but I'm in the minority, I think. <laughs> but I think it's because of the projecting that you're talking about, because I when I, so. I look at it and I think about how interesting it is to me that John is standing there with Danny and Tyrion's the one who sold him out. It means yeah. a lot to me, but You're in right. light of everything else, Tyrion selling out Varys and then later thinking about how Varys was right. It just doesn't do what I think it could have done when all these elements get together because it should feel like it should feel aha. Like the brand stuff felt when brand said, why do you think I've come all this way? I think all of them should have just had like these aha realizations in their own way. And maybe they did. Mm -hmm. And and maybe I'm not thinking about each moment because they might be so complex and they might've fallen in different ways, but I think I could locate some of them if I wanted to write down like a bullet list of like, this is when this happened to that guy. This is when that happened to that guy. But for example, Brienne's happened off screen before she was able to think about the kind of person that Jamie was and sort of frame it the way that I did about like, well, he fulfilled his O's. He's returned everyone. He, he stood on the front lines against the white walkers when he did not have to leave the Capitol. I think that with some time and separation, she was able to to think about it in a way before she put his name down in the white book, but we didn't necessarily get that. So not a lot of folks understood that. Right. Cause you had to project onto it. In order to like make peace with it or to feel good about it, which that's I'm why I just with. can't watch Prisoner of Ask Command, man. I'm just like projecting the Marauders <laughs> onto the storyline, and I'm like, give me 30 seconds of that rather than don't get me wrong. I love cutting back to the Whomping Willow and seeing him shaking off snow, but we could have just taken off one of those. Like, let's let's take out the Dementor sequence where it's freezing, like the the Ivy in the foreground with Hogwarts in the background and just put one extra line in the shrieking shack where they're like, by the way, I am this guy and I'm this guy. How cool is that? Would you say that season eight is the prisoner of Azkaban of Game of Thrones? No, because I really like that, that one uh, compared to the rest of them as well. But I definitely think that you can compare the fallacies of the forms to each. And I think it would be unfair to say that Game of Thrones is better than the Potter movies Obviously it is, but I think it'd be unfair to say to like poke fun because it has separation of a lot of years of people learning how to make stuff that we relate to and think is cool, but also just all the screen time and expressing those elements through your characters. But even so, after all that time, we're here at the end of things and we're talking about how certain things didn't have the emotional appeal because we still didn't get more time. Right. Why don't we start going through our discussion questions? Because there's a lot of like character points that I want to hit on that I think tie into some of the questions that we asked. You don't want to talk about the eight Harry Potter films plus the subsequent prequel series? Yeah, I'm absolutely trying to pivot us away from talking (laughs) about Harry Potter. (laughs) I'm halfway through this coffee. We're going to talk about Harry Potter later. (laughs) Um, So our first discussion question that we posted this week is where did Drogon take Danny's body? Why did he melt the Iron Throne? And is he a threat to the six kingdoms? So you wrote this question. Tell me what your intention was behind this. Um, 
great question. Thanks for asking it. <laughs> well, my intent, I mean, okay. There's so three the questions in this one question. So I feel like there's a direction you want us all to think about. What I, I mean, not necessarily. I'm trying to encompass kind of everything that Drogon did in this episode. And I'm also really interested in this idea of, there's two things that I'm, mm, three things. I'm interested in all of this. Number one, I'm just about to repeat the question. But this idea <laughs> that where he takes Daenerys and where he feels like is a good resting place for her or himself, I think is interesting because that could be a lot of different places. I also think him melting the Iron Throne versus him burning John down or him doing whatever else, I think is an interesting question because it says a lot about, it says a lot about who he is as a character, which I don't think who he is as a dragon. Yeah. But I don't think we get a lot of, we don't get a lot in Game of Thrones. We don't get a lot of time to really explore like dragons and the emotional connection that they have with people, which I guess probably isn't true because we really saw that with Danny. But I, I think that to the extent that it comes in A Song of Ice and Fire um, and how smart they are and kind of how that connection isn't just like a, a loving caregiver type of connection, but is like magical and deep um, isn't always, at least I'm not always thinking about it. And I think that that moment when he melts the Iron Throne could potentially be insight into how much he understands what's going on, which I think is really interesting. Previous to that, we'd had the interactions of them being fed and then their decisions in times of conflict. But if you think back to Dance of Dragons, where Drogon arrives seemingly seemingly in the middle of all that violence and and rescues Daenerys and helps them have extra an extra fight against the Sons of the Harpy there in the pit. It's like, wh- what was that about? Did we mm-hmm. talk enough about that? I remember theories back in the day used to be that he was attracted to the bloodshed or pr- attracted to the chaos in some way. But I think based off of the kind of stuff that you were just talking about that we're supposed to believe or we're supposed to infer rather, like draw again project a little bit onto the story that just by taking hints that he is an intelligent creature obviously but is sort of tapped in in a bigger way than a dire wolf would be or a dog would be in the Mm -hmm. beginning of this season do you remember after they were flying that scene with the bones where drogon was kind of looking at john and just sort of eyeing him down and thinking about him I think mm-hmm. that was supposed to be like the early episode arc or the, sorry, the early season arc of establishing a little bit more personality and a little bit more intelligence with those dragons like you're talking about. So whenever the scene happens, you kind of go, aha, and you put it together. Right. He's not burning John down because John's the first thing in front of him and he's just going to go in a fit of rage. He's not burning John down because he understands that, the throne was a real threat along the way, you know, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Like if I destroy so. this throne, then there won't be anyone left to rule, but that's not what happened. No, it's if it's like, if I destroy this throne, like this was what Danny wanted and this is what killed her. So I'm, the, I'm going to get rid of it. Have you seen the people that are like 
that are talking like uh, Drogon got confused and he was like, this is this is what happened. This sharp thing is what stabbed her, <laughs> which is so funny. I think about how to me and my dog doesn't know my name. He just refers to me as he. And I think that he probably does the same. Drogon probably does the same for Danny. So he's like, it, that killed her, that thing right mm-hmm. there. So I'm going to look at how sharp it is. This guy wouldn't have ever done it. That wouldn't make sense. <laughs> that thing. Nice. So he's only as smart as a dog. And that, if that's the way you think about it from that perspective. So your answer to the question after that would be, you know, like he probably went back to some den that he used to have and he's like playing around in a pile of bones. But I don't think that's the thing. I don't think so either. So do you think that Drogon has some kind of worldly intelligence? Like he has a purpose for what he's doing with Danny's body? I don't know. I think, I think that that's, I think that's a good question. Like, is he taking her somewhere intentionally or is this in game shit? Yeah. So there's, um, we got this, a couple people actually wrote this in and I'm going to read specifically the St. Jimmy 86 on Instagram says, Danny will be resurrected. It mirrors John being stabbed in the heart. There are plenty of fire priests and priestesses in Essos. Plug it into my body. Yeah, there's a couple couple people we were talking about. He's taking Daenerys somewhere where she can be brought back to life and can come, you know, I don't know. But um, I don't necessarily know if I believe that. Like, I don't know if that's a theory that I'm going to hitch my wagon to but Mm -hmm. i do think that um it's that's interesting and i like this idea that there's a purpose behind what drogon is doing at least as far as with the iron throne yeah i don't know why he melted the throne i think that that was a showism just the way that he did it it was a cool climax for the series seeing this it was the magical nature sort of manifested at the very top of the tower with the the human element all these the the thing that made all of these people do all of these things and he destroyed it. But I don't know. I think that that might feel kind of clunky for people because we're still seeing really real stuff happen. Like John just stabbed Daenerys, not for necessarily mystical or metaphysical or like meta reasons. And then Drogon turns and does seemingly a pretty meta thing. So it's one of those things that might throw you out of the moment, which you don't want to be thrown out of the moment when you're watching the heroine potentially of the series get stabbed by the The, hero of the series. Are you saying that you think that Drogon essentially just missed John? No, I think that that they they missed the mark by putting that in like that. Maybe. Interesting. Unless that there's, there's stuff yet to be revealed. And I think that that's really where the heart of this all lies. And, uh, as far as an ending is concerned, I wasn't expecting this to happen. I also wasn't really thinking a lot about how we would talk about the end of it when we got to it. But if you're listening to this podcast, some of you have been listening for a really long time. You know the difference between conversations before all of this and now after. So we have to look at the facts. And the facts are a lot of stuff is still unresolved. Things like Roller, things like John coming back to life. All of these are potentially from the same fire, but it means that just like the story was when we started out with it, it's not it's not yet to fruition. Like we haven't yet seen everything that we've learned about continue. 
And that might mean that the magic is supposed to be inside of us and we're supposed to project further and keep going. But I think about other stories in my life that were ended with a kind of finality. And this is just a void to me of any kind of finality. And Mm -hmm. I think that in a universe where Jon Snow is brought back to life and then it's referenced a bunch, but it never really comes in contact with a story. And then Daenerys is also being prophesized by people in the series that aren't dead yet. Like the priestess over in Essos that was talking to the Marine Marine that I believe they found. And no, they didn't find her in Volantis. They just found other red priests. The story and George both have been putting the foundation for more of this to take effect on Planetos. And it seems that it didn't reach its full conclusion with the white walkers, nor with how the iron throne was resettled. And I don't, right. And I don't think that that's the end of things. I think that, it's in a story where Jon Snow is getting resurrected by the same people that follow Daenerys, that think Daenerys is this this hope of fire and light. Her being carried off by a creature that has this potentially more broad understanding of the universe and maybe taken somewhere mysterious, like we saw Drogon flying over the ruins, the ruins of Valyria in season five. I just think that the groundwork has been laid for us to be questioning more And I don't think that it's silly to expect Daenerys potentially coming back to life because we've seen it happen. There's a precedence for it. I mean, it just makes sense. And it would be really interesting. She would have a definite bone to pick with everyone for many reasons. Not to mention all the cities that she mentioned in her speech to the Unsullied would like would like to get what Westeros has got going on with it. And right now they have Bran the Broken as king who might be potentially intimidating to them for the time being because of the tales that they hear about him. But how long until things start moving again, certain people move out of other positions of power, will the stirrings of maybe followers of R'hllor or other dastardly plots in the East potentially fed by Daenerys, potentially fed by dragons? I think it's cool. And if this is the end, that's a really cool way to end it. But if there's potentially going to be more, then I think that it's not crazy to think about Daenerys being involved. Well, that ties, I mean, that ties in really nicely to when we, the feeling I feel and continue to feel after this finale is optimistic and hopeful. And I think that that's because of exactly like you're saying, we're not getting a lot of definitive end game well, that's not true, but like, we're not getting hard and fast. This is over. We were talking about this earlier this week and you said something really interesting, which is when you look at Harry Potter, Harry Potter ended and what's left to speculate is how their lives were. Like, what does Ron and Hermione look like living at home and what kind of horror is Harry and what are the kids like? You know, there's a lot of those questions about their personal lives that we can speculate and do speculate and think about when, as we look at a song of ice and fire or we look at game of Thrones, will Daenerys come, could Daenerys come back to life? What's going on with all of this magic that we didn't really get a chance to explore. And what is Arya up to? And what is John looking for when he's North of the wall? There's like real big major questions that we've been exploring that we don't yet have the answer to. And I thought that was a really that was a smart way of you to put it because I hadn't been thinking about it. I was just trying to relate to you. <laughs> yeah, though you did a great job because <laughs> it's extremely related with me. But you know what I mean? Like, I thought that was a cool way to look at it. And that summed up and put into context 
why I was feeling the way I've been feeling about the end of season eight, which is a sense of looking towards the future because that's what the point, because there's still so much to explore and so many questions and so many places that we could go that the potential has been left open, whether that's for in the sequels or the prequels or whatever the heck they end up doing or, or just exactly. Or in a song of ice and fire or just for us, like on Reddit, you know, Mm -hmm. I think all of those are fine places. So when we ask questions like where did Drogon take Daenerys, it could potentially matter. When I think about the end of Potter, I used to think about potential stories blossoming from that. And I used to daydream about myself making those stories, like making the film adaptation when I'm an older person and I have my shit together or Mm -hmm. like uh, make a little teaser to like set it up now to position myself perfectly for that to happen. And I always think about his kids and I think about one unresolved note for me that really stands out from the series, which is if we could just boil it down to a bigger one before zooming in the department of mysteries. And then inside of that, there's lots of things that we could talk about. And if you're listening and you're starting to get goosebumps, you're you've come to the right place. But inside of the department of mysteries, there's a veil and someone very important to Harry fell through that veil and we could hear voices on the other side of that veil and I can go into it. But to me, that was a, a promise of potentially something more. So I started to think about where Harry went after he died and where all these people went after they died and all these potential figures that might find a way back into the story in some strange metaphysical way or how the future of uh, the Wizarding World could be potentially in chaos again because of these unresolved things that we're studying in the Department of Mysteries, like potentially mm-hmm. having a play on everything. But that's kind of a, a strong, you know, like that's going into it and finding one thing that I really like and seeing the whole and expounding on it more. And that's interesting to me. But here at the end of the TV series, Game of Thrones, there's just very, it was set up to, to be, there's just so much to it, you know, like right. that, that last sort of, not the last shot of brand, but that one shot of brand, when he says it's like a low angle and he's looking very serious when he says it, he says, like maybe I can find him when he's talking about finding Drogon. Mm-hmm. It was just to me like a promise of so much more, not to mention Arya literally sailing into the sunset and John literally marching north. There's more of a, a finality to what John's doing. But I also, when I think about the context of the series at large, there's also potential for him to be necessary to whatever is happening in the future, even if it's against his wishes. And that honestly kind of sounds a lot like what would happen to him. <laughs> like has to go south for some damn reason that he doesn't want to (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and also think about the night king and about how all of that sort of came together and it means a lot more to me if he had a bigger reason to kill bran like when everyone's like why is he coming after you bran bran's already in i want to be king mode so he's not going to say anything like too crazy to them he's like oh it's because i hold all of humanity's memories (laughs) that's the problem that's the problem he's like they'll just listen to me because they don't they don't really understand this everyone's like he's a weirdo so just like okay Um, okay imagine if you knew how it was all gonna go for some strange reason if you did everything right and if everyone did everything right wouldn't you be like in the courtyard of winterfell trolling people just sitting there the whole time waiting for jamie lannister (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I guess, 
I guess. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's silly. I don't think so. I think that like this make that makes Bran look like he's some conniving evil man, which I don't think he is, but But he's the king now. And he said, Why do you think I've come all this way? How long I think I that's one of our that. questions, right? I'll wait for that. Yeah, I don't get that. We need I yeah. Let's talk about Arya. Our next question is Arya, because this kind of so kind of going back to what you're saying about where we see everybody end off and talk about Harry Potter again, but like Harry Potter ends very much enclosed. Like it's a very look inwards. It's very intimate into Harry saying goodbye to his kids. And like, I know that they're heading off on a train, but like, it feels very like enveloped in like one single moment. Whereas the end uh, we're looking at game of Thrones is everyone's very much looking outwards on a speedy trajectory to what they've got going next. And one of those is Arya. And one of our questions was, what will Arya find west of Westeros? And I know that we already were told this week that we're not going to get an Arya spinoff, which I think is very upsetting to me personally and maybe other people. But um, it seems like a really unnecessary thing to come out and say. Like, I hear you guys are all theorizing. Let me tell you, your theories are invalid. What was it that they came out with early in the season that we're like, why did they just randomly tell that? that to us in a random interview i don't know there was something earlier this season that we annoyed me i can't remember what it was anyway um was it when they were telling us we need to let go of all the traveling stuff no it wasn't there was like something that happened that we were asking about like with the night king and we're like why is it the way oh, that the, it is? The, the sigil on the wall yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It was. But doesn't that and isn't that even crazier now, knowing there could potentially be more depth to all that? Maybe. Hmm? Maybe we'll find or, out in the prequel. Probably not. I mean, yeah. That's the thing. Is like everyone's like, well, they're not gonna. They didn't talk about it now because they're gonna talk about it in the prequel. That makes Such no bullshit. sense. To me. You could talk about it now and talk about it in the prequel. Like, why yeah. can't we have both? Right. That's um, some like long term Marvel or like Disney Universe planning, and I think that it probably just annoys people if that's what you're up to. Or you talk about it for real now and get us amped to talk about it for real again later. Is that of, what you were talking about when we were texting and you were like, but I'm thinking about the end of Game of Thrones. Like you wanted yeah. just a lot of stuff right now and it just annoyed you how you didn't get a lot of that. Yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say. What I was trying to say. That makes sense. Is there's so many things they could get right and do well and be really interesting now. We don't need to like rush to tie this up and then go on to other projects in the same universe, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense to me, but that's just my own opinion. Um, but I think question- if you're looking one sec, I think if you're looking back at the whole thing and you're seeing the beats of, let's just focus in on Bran Stark. If you're seeing his story and keeping in mind that he missed the whole fifth season because he was being introduced to this <laughs> mystical figure and, and what they the recast him and he was doing some like Jedi style training in the cave, etc. Yeah, that whatever. The stuff that he was doing in season six, the time travel and seeing the Tower of Joy and then putting Hodor in the right position to hold the door and to get him out of there and to get the Night King moving along and stuff like that. That was like his like his his empire strikes back you know what i mean like his like midway movie along along the course of his eventual taking over of the throne that was his showing off his skill that was like his like superhero sequences you know what i mean when he was right. trip, tripping out and he was being taken out of the tree and he was seeing visions of the uh 
of the uh, dragon flying over uh, <laughs> King's Landing. King's and Landing. The, I'm just thinking about the Mad King going, burn them all, like crazily. Yeah. Uh, that was his show off, you know, like his cut scene. And then, so it was like really patient. You're supposed to look over it as the course of uh, like a book series would be. Like if you're looking at the DVD or the Blu-ray box set, like, oh, in season six is where the Three-Eyed Raven saw all this stuff and did all these things. It's like he took over because of his patience and the stuff that he saw versus the abilities that he has. So Bran is just like the one who was most patient and waited and like had the knowledge to sort of game everybody on a level of 3d chess that was above even Tyrion at that point. Yeah. So, Which, I mean, that's like an interesting idea. I just like, I don't just, think that they executed it very well in the, they may have executed it well in season six, but they didn't execute it well in season seven and eight. Oh, I, I'm not necessarily saying they did like a great job on any of it. I'm just saying that the, like, I think that's, that's, that's what, what their intention was. Yeah. 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 I get that. That makes so sense. So if Bran knew what was going on, so he knew then, I think, I'm sorry for skipping question two. We can come back to it, but. Let's um, talk about question three. Question three. When did Bran understand he would someday become king? Did Bran want to be king? Maybe that's when, after oh, the three eyed raven was killed. And <laughs> everybody look left. Oh shit, there's a white walker. Everybody look right. Oh, there's a bunch of whites. Everybody look around. Oh, there's Benj and he's swinging a thing. It's fine. We'll be fine, kid. <laughs> like maybe that's when he found out when uh, he was getting drug out of the tree and it was all just coming over him. Like, oh my God. Because mm-hmm. he was seeing the capital and stuff. If you didn't see it, definitively he felt that there was some sort of like duty that he had to fulfill. If that's the case, then I think that it definitely means there's more to come in a way that the stuff with Roller and the overall, like uh, whatever the tenacity is behind this magical force in the world that has yet to come to be. That's how it seems to me. Like maybe he saw something in those visions about the Mad King, maybe actually, maybe the Mad King in that sequence is just a way to frame Daenerys's mad turn in King's Landing. Maybe we're projecting more and maybe his whole vision was just about like Daenerys was going to do this no matter what and like how to position the best way for it to fall, like him being in charge and making sure like nothing even crazier happened or something. Mm hmm. Which would be kind of small, but it would it would button it all together nicely for his arc to be about taking over the throne reluctantly, right. making right. sure that not as many people died. I um this damn good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody wrote in this really interesting theory. Jay Belda Wolf on Instagram says, Bran wanted Tyrion to be king in all but name. Knew that Tyrion was the best for it, but also knew the people wouldn't accept him on the throne. So Bran takes the throne, does whatever it is that Bran now does, and lets Tyrion rule <laughs> like he's good at doing. Which I thought was kind of interesting, because this question of whether Bran saw this, or whether he was like gunning for it, or whether he doesn't care, or if he saw it before the Battle of Winterfell, or after the battle, you know, all of these things are questions that I don't know how to answer. But this is kind of an interesting idea that... Bran knew that he would eventually become king, but he wanted somebody else to rule. So he propped somebody like Tyrion up to then be in that position to essentially take over the realm. But he's in everything but face 
I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. I hadn't really seen that a lot of other places. Steve Manuli also wrote, possibly when Bran had the vision of Drogon flying over King's Landing back in season four. Same thoughts. Yeah, which I, th- I just I'm I just have a hard time with that because I just I I want to read this. This is what I want to read. I didn't put <laughs> I didn't put it. Did I put it in our document? I'm trying to look for it. Travis Cole said something very interesting. It's not on our piece. I've got it somewhere else. You're hoarding Travis comments said, secretly. Yeah, I am secretly <laughs> hoarding this comment. Well, because I felt like this is a really good summation of what, how I've been feeling. At Straight Savage Cole on Twitter says, What are Bran's powers exactly in regards to seeing the future? Is it like Melisandre with the Lord of Light and the Flames? Where could she see the future? Where she could see the future but wasn't certain exactly? I know Jojen could see the future but not but not to what extent. Same thing goes for the previous Thread Raven. How far could he see into the future or was it all just in the past? If Bran could see into the future and didn't give up any didn't give any heads up on all the stuff that was anyway. Sorry, Travis, I'm cutting you off. But <laughs> Travis goes on to just like kind of talk about if Bran could see what he if Bran saw how all this is going to go, but didn't really do anything about it or didn't try to talk about it, then why is he really that bad of a guy? Is he really like that far removed? And I know that is Bran a guy at all anymore? Like, is he just a thread raven? How much does he feel? Those are all questions as well. But I think that the questions that are brought up are really interesting because we just don't totally understand what Bran can actually see. And I feel like we've gotten contradictory answers to what that looks like. It's certainly so, convoluted for sure. Yeah. So I just, I'm, my own mind is looking for this like clear path where right. Bran is either plotting all along to have done this or that he kind of fell into it. And I don't think that he ever wanted to be king. I don't think that that was ever his hope and dream. But when he says things like, why do you came all this way? It's like, <laughs> is that supposed to be funny or what am I supposed to feel about that? Th- that's the thing. He is not clear with us. Remember when he was sitting in Winterfell outside, just kind of creeping everybody out. It's like, he's patient and he knows what's going on seemingly and is yet to really reveal his hand. And so that's the impression I get when I see him sitting on the throne or see him potentially planning to take the throne for some reason. It's that he's seen how things fall or maybe based on the past. Again, it all really depends on how much he can see in the future. And not enough of that was revealed for us to have any concrete thoughts. So this is all me speculating, but it seems that there's still stuff yet to do. I mean, there is right. still a dragon left in the world and someone could use that dragon. They could bend that dragon to their will or there could potentially uh, be a way to make more dragons. I'm not sure of the technology around, like maybe there's more eggs in a shy where the eggs from the the, the series came or the series uh, started, you know, when Daenerys was gifted those eggs by Illyrio. Mm-hmm. Still, I'm just not sure about all that, how all that stuff necessarily matters, but it seems to me that Bran has his mind on the future for some reason. And I would like to think that it's not, it, it wasn't limited to him just being in the right place to say yes to taking the throne. I feel like it makes more sense if he's known that there's a job to do and he just doesn't tell people because it's, the, it's what he's, that's one thing that's been consistent that we can depend on is that like Jojen, he just kind of doesn't tell people stuff they don't need to know because that's true. 
until until they need to know like he he made the the reveal of Jon Snow's parentage happen and we saw where that led it's it's so discontent among nowhere. our faves Wait, no, it's so discontent <laughs> among our faves and it put Jon in the position for to be so close to Danny and then for there to be a question between them if if that hadn't have happened there wouldn't have been a conversation about him being a Targaryen and planting that potential hole for Varys then to grab and then to run with and for Daenerys to be scared about it. Maybe if we would have had more time, that would have felt more important, but that's a very important thing that Bran did by telling people, finally giving a piece of information out rather than keeping it to himself. Hmm. So you're saying like all of this was a long game for him. He, he was always looking past kind of what we're seeing here at the end of season eight to whatever grander, I guess not, that's not true because he was heavily focused on the Night King. But like once the Night King is gone, it's like I'm not even thinking about whatever's happening here now because what matters is what's down the road and what we can accomplish or what I can accomplish kind of right. thing. Like there's still more to do. Yeah, we've got work to do. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. No, I mean, I think that I think that you're probably I think that probably I just. I just don't understand, and I don't think any of us understand what brand, what brand's powers actually mean, like what he can actually do. I would think that we should have been showed that better. I think people would be, they would feel less ambiguous about the ending. I don't think that people wanted it to be unresolved like that. I think they wanted to see that sort of final hero shot of the people that we like getting what they deserved. And the story didn't necessarily do that. It just kept going. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what literally. we picked up in Game <laughs> yeah. of Thrones in the first place. We picked up about, well, what was it, 15 years after the story had kept going after Robert's yeah. Rebellion. And this is how things were. And we might, if we were to, th- to think about history repeating itself, and we have a lot of the histories of Westeros to sort of think about. Fire and Blood got released in November, and we got to learn a lot about the inner workings of the Seven Kingdoms once they were reunited after Aegon I came and mm-hmm. brought everyone together with Fire and Blood. So we can transpose some of those events and feelings, and we've been able to to find a lot of parallels and the fandom has been able to find so many parallels and use that as sort of a rubric to guess how things are going to go moving forward. And if that's the case, it just wouldn't have made any sense that George would end the song of ice and fire on like, and now all was well resolved. Of course not. Yeah, of course not. Because things are continually moving. Of course. And that, I mean, yeah. And so to me, if we've got this potentially magisterial King, on the throne in Westeros. I'm not excited that we have the same old ruler and that it looks kind of the same, but I am excited that we've got people in charge that might actually be able to do something selfless, like might actually be able to make some interesting moves. And I don't know, they're in a weird position because if you think about the potential threats coming from Planetos, whether it be a resurrected Danny or whether it be uh, legions of fighters being hired by other rich people. It could be people of Karth that remember Daenerys and they're like, what well, she got defeated by them. And now they don't even have a dragon. The seven kingdoms doesn't even have a dragon. And now they're not even the seven kingdoms anymore. Think about how easy Dorne would be to turn potentially. Think about how easy it would be to, to take someone like Braun and potentially turn him. Like everyone's going to have their little birds and they're going to set their sights on Westeros that doesn't have a dragon. So it seems to me like they have a lot to contend with potentially. They're going to be rebuilding King's Landing. Everyone's tired of fighting. 
there's some stuff in there. So Bran kind of trying to Bran asking about where Drogon is or saying, I think I can find him is Bran trying to maybe regain control over a dragon that could potentially be a major threat to either if somebody else gained control of it or if Drogon decided to go haywire. Yeah. But also it's just like, wouldn't you, if you were in charge of everyone, you had all the resources. And so it's your responsibility to sort of try to move the world forward. Part of their list of things, like they went over a lot of stuff before they got to Drogon, but part of their list of things is, oh, by the way, what's the deal with that giant nuclear bomb that's flying around that might have a grudge against this city because it remembers it. So that's cool. But if it's just a dragon, then it'll probably be killed by someone else. Or he might just live out his days flying around in places that uh, people can't bother him. I kind of like that that idea the best. Like, I like this idea that he's kind of just out the picture. And that he's just away, flying, living his life. I don't know. What do you think Arya could find west of Westeros if Planetos is a globe, which they have a comment. They have really irregular seasons that may or may not be changed by the magical elements of the White Walkers. We saw that hopeful plant blossoming just north of the wall. So if it is a round globe, again, I mentioned that weird weather stuff because it could not be a round globe. This is all a made up universe. It could be a a flat planet. It could be like Tolkien when he made Middle Earth. George could have could have sketches and could have writings that date back to the dawn of the planet itself and the deities that created it out of blank chaos. Or he could just not have thought about any of that stuff yet. And he could be waiting for people like us on the internet to fill in a lot of those gaps. Either way, it could inform the potential shape of the planet, (laughs) which matters for for the, in the case for this question, because if Arya is selling West into the sunset sea, like Alyssa Farman, and she doesn't reach a couple islands on the way. Maybe she does. But if she keeps going, she could potentially reach the shores of Ashai or the surrounding area and enter the Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. Or some other place that is yet to be discovered, like in Australia or something. If only she could reach Skagos and Ib and have a tour there and meet the interesting people of those islands. That's why I think it would be so cool if we were able to see her. I would love to see Arya just like going, doing her thing and exploring all these places that we don't know that much about that are these mystical, wild things that are only briefly mentioned. I think it'd be so cool to kind of look into what that would actually look like. What if in the sequel... When all my hopes and dreams are dashed. Or like the follow-up book series that's written in the future by uh, Brennan B. Fish. What if she... <laughs> what if? What if she she reaches a shy and she's like covert and trying to learn about this place that she's been told about in books and has seen like what, you know, when she entered Bravos, it was like whispers of a, of a, of a complexity of people that she more related to than like the swine of King's landing and how interesting it was to see all the different areas of Bravos and learn about all the, the different noblemen and how people carry yeah. around their swords in the street. What if she very curiously arrives in a shy and is under the cover? And she's so powerful at this point because she can take people's faces that she's like, you have to be badass to survive in the city. You have to be like someone it's like being a nocturnality times a hundred thousand and she's there and she can, 
like everything in her story led her to being badass enough just to hang in this strange land. And she doesn't even immediately arri- arrive in the city. Like she travels the countryside and somewhere along the line, the the stuff that's happening with Drogon, maybe potentially more dragons, maybe potentially strange shadow benders or even more like dastardly cannibalistic people um, are like creating the seeds of what will be a problem. And maybe she decides she has to sell back or maybe she gets somehow like to warn people or maybe she somehow gets embroiled in the conflict herself and is like caught up in it. Kind of like a Danny and Marine kind of type situation. Or just like her repeating her story of going somewhere that she like is eventually just not all right with that she grows out of. I would really love to see her really be able to take advantage of all these different things that she learned at the House of Black and White because we didn't really get to see. I mean, Arya killed the Night King, which I I feel like I keep downplaying it, but that was a huge thing. But we didn't really get to see her really use a lot of her skills that she spent so long building when we're talking about taking other people's faces or just understanding the way the world works. I mean, she's, I know a killer when I see one, like mm-hmm. her trying to encompass everything. It's all about the night King. Some <laughs> line. I'm literally going to kill death. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I think that we, what a cool opportunity that we would have to see Arya really get out there and use what she knows to be able to, like you're saying, infiltrate these wild places that are so, unreachable and to be able to find new places and new people and just see what's up in these random streets of islands and cities that we are so wildly different yet in the same world that these characters that we love inhabit. I think it'd be so cool. Or she could totally die and like just die on like the sea. Like on the sea. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's like- a, cr- it's a, cr- no, like Asha, uh, meets her out at sea and was like, I heard what, remember what you said about cutting my throat? Oh look, yeah. Look at all these ships that I have. What is a season eight way to, to, to like pull that together? <laughs> Truly. <laughs> this is where your story ends. Um, but I'm, I don't know. I think, sorry. Well, I was going to say, I'm trying to find a map of the, uh, of Westeros, uh, sorry, of Planetos that is labeled i can't remember the name of the the section we've talked about it on the podcast before it's one of those things that you just kind of whisper and move on from because the story wasn't over but now the story is i'm trying to find a map if you guys are listening and know of Tweet the, us a map. the area that i'm talking about yeah send us a map that has the labeling but there's an area we'll that's seen it by that point north of a shy like uh basically the the length of the whole planet of Essos. And it says something like the land of winged men or something like that. That's the way that mm-hmm. it's, it's labeled officially on the map. And there's a few other really just unsettling labels of areas, like names that the areas have gotten. And that's like when I'm looking at maps from other stories that I love and the uh, different fantasy books that they never reach, particularly I think of Middle Earth because that was where all this began. If I was a little kid and they would have had maps of all the different planets of Star Wars, I probably could have got into that, but it wasn't quite there yet, at least not for me. Um, but uh, I'm also thinking about what other stuff like uh, in Forgotten Realms, which is that you play D and D. It's the uh, mm-hmm. it's like the video game universe of the Dungeons and Dragon universe. That's the planet Farron, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. 
so I, I don't, what, do you know what area you're playing right now in your campaign? Like the town that's nearby? Uh, like, yep, but I have, forgot it. Have you guys gone to any cities or anything? Yeah, we're in one city that I can't remember the name of that. I you got to remember the name. The name. You got to. Is it, <laughs> is it like Waterdeep? Yeah, we're in Waterdeep. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so Waterdeep is cool because it's like, uh, I think it's the most metropolitan of cities on Farron. I think. Yeah. Last time I checked. So that's interesting. But if you zoomed out from there, you would see that all these campaigns, for example, in D&D are being played in these very specific regions of Farron and all these different tales, all these different stories are along different timelines in this universe. And also a lot of video games are like they start somewhere really humble and then you end up going and reaching a lot of those places on the map. And you're like, to me, I'm like, wow, look at this adventure. My friends and I traveled. Isn't it so crazy? We learned all these mysteries that were hidden all over the, the, the planet, but there's still places yet unsettled or places yet unexplored, like mysteries that have yet to be resolved or people that have yet to really try to establish their will on the rest of the population. And I get a lot of that potential not theory crafting but just projecting my own feelings onto the story my own possibilities onto what these people might do and i get this god view of looking at the map so looking at these maps of a song of ice and fire there's still so much yet to talk about Sothorios. i mean the list goes on and i think obviously it's the end of game of thrones and a song of ice and fire looks like it's going to be the tale of westeros so that might be all that we get but for the sake of this conversation and what might follow the end of the show based on what we've seen. I think that it's not crazy to, to wish for the exploration of some of these things and for it to have a meaning in the story at large. It's also not too crazy of a thing to think about because of the way that it ended. Well, and for it to be explored by somebody like Arya that we care so deeply about, you know, cause I think this whole people comparing her to Alyssa Farman, which you can read about in fire and blood is really cool but i don't care about Alyssa farman no disrespect to her <laughs> you know what i mean because she's don't dead. know her yeah like i don't know I, we never spend any real time with her and she's an interesting person in history that we can look back on and draw some cool conclusions about but it's aria flying or not flying sailing with, <laughs> with a stark ship stark sigil you know what i mean that's so cool and it's aria stark who has been through what Arya Stark has been through going to explore all these places that you're talking about. I mean, it's such, it's in terms of what folks are doing after Game of Thrones wraps up, this to me is one of the more interesting trajectories because like we know what, what's John going to find North. I mean, we've really spent a lot of time exploring that place. So. But even then, not that much. That's true. But you know what I mean? Like we kind of get what that vibe is going to be. Yeah, we do. And like, I kind of get what the vibe is going to be in the north and I kind of get what the vibe is going to be but you know wherever the heck Arya finds west of Westeros I think is is really exciting I agree I think one of the I think the most exciting thing about it is that it's not just simply complete projection like I'm doing with the Potter stuff like finding something with the veil that has yet to be resolved and then going well that must be you know the what's left to explore because it was put there and not explored like we definitely have that in not only a song of ice and fire but there's a ton of stuff from game of thrones that we could 98 percent just attribute to admin bad writing like not being able to keep up with the different warnings that quaith promised us and not being able to see that through or barristan selmay going down the way he did 
But with Arya and the stuff that we're talking about, all the stuff that we're talking about with Danny and Drogon, there's potential for all of it outside of us just wishing and hoping because we didn't mm-hmm. get answers to a lot of stuff and because of the last uh, stuff that Bran's up to. And if you want right. to inf- infer more into his potential ownership of wanting to be king for a specific reason, if you're to believe that he's not a bad guy and that he's truly selfless, then maybe he feels like there's more stuff yet to do that we don't need to know about yet. Too bad we're never going to know any of it. <laughs> yeah, pretty it's much. Like the, I'm like sitting here like, wow, <laughs> that sounds really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and now our watch begins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, question number four. Will Jon Snow ever become a threat to the Iron Throne? Was Varys successful in alerting the realm of his identity? Hannah, thoughts? Thoughts are, I think that what I'm trying to get at with this question is... Not if John wants to sit on the Iron Throne, because I think John's kind of in a place that he, John's in a good place now, you know, like. Yeah, north of the wall, really great place. Well, I mean, I think it kind of sucks that, you know, he did everything that he did. He came back to life and then he killed Daenerys Targaryen and now he's back where he started a little bit. But we've talked about this, like this is where John thrives. So I'm kind of happy for him. I don't think he has any interest in taking the Iron Throne for himself. What I've been more interested in is did Varys, was Varys able to tell people who knows about it? Who knows about it outside of somebody like Sansa and Arya? And could that ever leak out? You know, the people aren't happy with how Bran is running things. People aren't happy with what's going on in King's Landing. And so they seek out Jon and he's this unwilling person he's not interested but i just um i john snow who john snow is and this whole like the point of r plus l equals j what was it kind of i think it was to make a situation where daenerys would turn and become so clearly not the thing if that's what we're to believe if that's what we're to believe if bran had a plan maybe he saw in his vision that there was like i said no way for this to go well if daenerys became the sole ruler of the seven kingdoms maybe he saw first off how it would impact his family the starks Mm -hmm. never bending the knee like maybe eventually her and sansa's conflict would would grow because it was there there were the seeds for it right maybe it would grow and maybe some people that bran cares about maybe just more people than Maybe more people would have died if she became queen than if they if he became king and they eventually went to a form of not complete democracy, but where they actually chose their leader. But I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe it was this whole like. We don't have Fagan in this series, so it's like another like Danny just kind of was running straight. Not that. R plus L equals J doesn't matter in the books because I think it will matter more, but it's like one more stumbling block. Yeah, I get I think that. John being a Targaryen, I think folks wanted to see that matter more with the dragons and stuff. And it ended up just being sort of fatalistic how nothing, a lot of stuff that we care about, not nothing, but a lot of things don't really matter. And maybe beyond that, they don't, if they don't, if they do still matter, then maybe they don't matter exactly the same way that we thought they would. And that that's mm-hmm. a troubling thought. But again, that's, I keep going back to Ned Stark. Robert put him in charge and Cersei just tore up that note. 
and it made us feel just so sour and nasty. And that's right. sort of a signature move of George R. R. Martin in A Song of Ice and Fire. That was the Red Wedding in it, like to a T. Right. Right. And so it's a familiar feeling with the series. I just, when we have so little screen time and people aren't getting exactly what they want on top of that, it's so easy just to go, well, screw all of this, just burn it all right. down because you don't even care as much as you should. And you're doing something that is just so unlikely that doesn't make sense to me now based off of not only how you've done it, but also how you've been making me feel while you were trying it. Right. It doesn't like Ned Stark. We didn't see that coming, but it There's all still kind of, so much left. Yeah. And in retrospect, it's like, yeah, look at all the decisions that he made, the 10 million decisions he made along the way or the 10 million decisions that other people made along the way that led him to that point, which we don't necessarily get to see. But I think that like mostly I'm just bummed that <laughs> I just I, all the conversations that Varys and Tyrion were having about John and Daenerys and what Varys could have potentially done when you think about how powerful a man like Varys is. And me projecting why I cared so much about his death is because he's like the one of the guys. I like this idea that he was able to really accomplish something or stir up some stuff or there's people out there who know who John is, who right. are going to get restless and who are curious of what he's up to. Yeah. That's, that's why I like this question to me because there is potential for that. Even if John is unwilling, let's say that he establishes some sort of a, of a community and they, they do pretty well there North of the wall. It looks like he was just traveling to escort them because he was still in his blacks. Right. So, so at this point we think about Aegon Targaryen, Jon Snow's storyline. Maybe he's constantly just in communication with them and he helps the night watch have a really good relationship with the, with the free folk now after this point. But John was sent to the wall and he probably took his vows again. And if that's the case, then the fact that he's a Targaryen is kind of moot unless some shit goes down where it's really necessary that he becomes a part of the fray again. Because even, even with Robert's rebellion, so literally with the dynasty being overcome and thwarted and toppled, Maester Aemon, who was a Targaryen, who was exactly. once a legitimate contender for the throne, still didn't matter once he took his vow. So mm -hmm. it might just be that John is completely out of it, even by vow. And so people won't ever really consider him. But I think that what I get more out of this question is less about like John deciding to have a role in things or people deciding because of his birth, him having a role of things, not only because of the new decision to seemingly elect a leader, but also because of that stuff with Maester Eamon. I think mm -hmm. it's more so... If, if a lot of the stuff that we've been theorizing, let's just say if there's more A Song of Ice and Fire after this, there's potential for John to be drug into it because of other reasons, not only because of them needing him to lead because of how he was born, but maybe the maybe him being a Targaryen, maybe he needs to, to be the one to interface with Drogon or something. You know what I mean? Ooh, In the future. That's interesting. Or like because he led the fight against the Night King that he's got some sort of savvy battle savvy that, you know, somebody like Bran doesn't have or somebody like Tyrion doesn't have. That's a good so point like, too. Hey, like they need John like Snow. a captain for something. Yeah. Like John knows what's up. That guy's smart. He's seen some stuff. How can he help us out? He's, he's such a huge asset and he's just, <laughs> and they could totally make him do whatever they want because Bran's King. So Bran could just put out an executive order. Right. 
Hmm. But John's like, mm, I'm a peace out. Remove myself from the narrative. I he get can't it. do that. What if Drogon himself goes to find John, like north of the wall, and like he shakes off snow again, and like, oh god. But that would mean that he's kind of on our side, ish. I don't think he is. But he didn't kill John. And therein lies some of the problem. And therein lies. But I thought you just said that earlier. You said he didn't kill John. Just because he just didn't kill John, not because he was trying to kill John. I don't think I gave a definitive answer. I don't think he was trying to kill John because I think he could have easily just eaten John or just burned him and then then ate him, which is how he prefers his meals. I think that he he clearly deliberately didn't kill John for a reason. I don't know if that was because of his Targaryen bond or if that's because there's something more for us to draw out of this. But either way, that's a moment where we can potentially, again, project some... uh, potential magic onto the series and it leaves a lot of doors open i think or it's just really incongruous with the rest of the story and it makes people feel weird and like it wasn't that good i have seen so many negative articles articles across the internet i know that are just like not only clickbaity we understand that a lot of a lot of not only commentary about game of thrones but a lot of commentary about things in general have been really morphed in the public popular cultural perspective, at least for people that use the internet on a frequent basis, which is a lot of us because we want to feel connected to the world somehow. And it's so easy when it's just on a phone has been manipulated a lot by the fact that negative things get a lot of traffic and it gets a lot of attention. And it's certainly way more effective than being positive about stuff. As you will see, if you read some of our iTunes reviews, (laughs) if you don't have really negative feelings about stuff, uh, it might your opinion right now in this current climate may be a little less popular, and I think that because of that, uh, we've gotten it's gotten a lot of sort of overactive hate. But at the same time, the series has gotten so much overactive attention. I think it deserves and should completely humbly take all of the negative criticism that's being thrown its way, especially after botching some pretty well earned moments for people. For sure, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah, I won the Game of Thrones. <laughs> Woo! My opinions are good. They're so good. To some I, people. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's like, I mean, this is like coming circular back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. It's like, I really like season eight, but then we just spent, I don't know, five hours talking about all the things that were bad about it. But I just, I think it's, I like to think that we are coming at it from a place of grace, which maybe people who are writing clickbait articles aren't necessarily, or maybe they are. I don't know. I have no idea. All of this to say is it's much cooler to have a 5,000 things that were wrong about season eight of Game of Thrones that you may have missed or that you didn't know they botched. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things that people are going to be more likely to click on. Then Sansa Stark finally sits on the Iron Throne and everyone's extremely happy about it. I just like that we're all talking about the same thing, whether you're, you don't like it or whether you thought it was perfect. I just think that the fact that we're all talking about the same thing is really cool. And I think everyone should share their thoughts on it all the time. Yeah. And it's extremely fun. I have so much fun doing all of this. <laughs> so it's Me like, too. bring on all the bad reviews. I'm cool with it. It's like, I'll read all of them. I'll think about all of them. And then I'll text you about all of them. That's cool. Also, shout out to everyone who's doing the same thing, but the opposite of that, who are like, oh, my God, my feelings, my feelings now that it's over. I'm so sad and so happy all at the same time. We're right with you. Yeah. You sounded like you were about to make fun of everybody for a second. Oh, no, 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 no. 
No, I, I mean, yeah, I, I make fun of myself constantly when I think about <laughs> my interest in how the show and the story might be expressing itself after the fact. It definitely just ended, but I don't feel like it has ended at all. And I'm okay with that. Which yeah. brings us to our final question, the bonus question. Drum roll. Do, 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 do. What kind of sequel would you like to see? See, see. Ash Estrada writes, old, 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 Gendry Baratheon, Lord of Storms End, leaving his seat and castle to his heir by his long-deceased wife in a little rowboat rowing west of Westeros. <laughs> I love that so much. You got so many good answers. Um, I'm just, can we just read what people said? Go for he, it. Here's what I have to say. I don't know. That's my answer. Sean of House Heckert, sequel, Master Chef of Westeros. Feel free to eat Hot Pie's food, but pass on anything Arya gives you. <laughs> um, Jeff Lightfoot wrote, a Faceless Man spinoff would be cool. It would allow for all sorts of moral questions like the show has been good at. Which I think is kind of like what we're talking about with what Arya could do west of Westeros. Like, explore some of that stuff that we never really got a chance to dive into. Basically everything that's unresolved. Yeah, it could hit anything. Somebody, Mike, at... M. Newey 100 wrote, show Brand's perspective if he's omnipotent. Kind of getting, understanding kind of what he, even if he's the best option, I'd like to understand the actions that led to the decision after and after years, what he does as king. Kind of, I think even just like restarting Game of Thrones again with Bran as king would lend to some interesting conversations. I don't know if we're going to get answers on why he specifically did the things that he did. I think we're supposed to draw conclusions based on that and sort of uh, just guess based on his personality and all the different people that are mixed up with him, how this all sort of falls going forward. It's like you can't choose the people that are around you, but you kind of can a little bit. And that's some of what the lesson has been, I think, at the, the in the twilight days of the series, when you like for Danny, especially when you look around and see who's surrounding you and you realize, oh, well, they've got them and they've got them and they got them. And what am I up to? Mm-hmm. And so I think that if it if we do go forward, that Brand's perspective uh, could sort of fall out that way where he's got a lot of people around him and maybe he's controlling them to the best of his abilities. But even him, he may, even he might not be enough to, to manage things perfectly. Is anybody enough to manage? That's like such a broad Game of Thrones question. It's like, is mm-hmm. anybody enough to manage things at all? That's We've the thing. So many of our greats and our faves fall to the wayside. Well, even if it seems like everything is going, like you're eating a peach, you're so confident. You're literally eating a peach and and telling your your big brother, like, come on, man. Like, let's be real with all this. Even at that moment, you've got Brienne herself protecting you in the tent. An act of, of violent and cruel nature, it seems. But this was nature with a little bit of oomph behind it, clearly, with, with Melisandre. But something's going to happen. Is that the sequel you'd like to see? Just anything happening? Yeah. That's it? <laughs> yeah, something happening. <laughs> That's it. Take what you can get. Thanks for sending in all your ideas on this, though, everyone. We've got a lot of responses. A lot of them are really funny. And I think uh, I think we're all good right now. We still got stuff to do, like we've been saying. We still obviously have so much to talk about. That's the thing. It's like you're talking about brand and whatever it's like i don't necessarily we don't need a definitive answer i think we're happier without it we can't do what we do best when we got answers as to why the 
White Walkers are making those symbols because then it oh, just kind of stops everything. Don't give me any answers. <laughs> just leave it to mystery, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got new people working on the prequel, though. The one that we know is actually happening. We've got new people working on that. And so yeah. if you're completely against the people that worked on the series at the point where the story sort of left where George has it in the books and you don't think that their writing is where you'd like it to be. If you're thinking about Dorn, if you're thinking about Dorn, <laughs> who is the most beautiful girl in the world? Take heart. Other people are working on the prequel. So we have other chances at different perspectives, which is a good thing. Yeah. Or even if you loved it, I was going to say that we've got that new too. perspectives. That's yeah. always a good thing. It's always a good thing. All right. Is it time for everybody to, or for not for everybody to give their owns because everybody already has, but for us to read. The final owns. Today's podcast is sponsored by Comixology. You know we love Game of Thrones, and now I've experienced it in a new way with Comixology, Amazon's digital comic service, which you can access via the web or an app for all your smart devices. Here's how it works. Buy from their selection of over 100,000 comics, graphic novels, and manga, or join their Comixology Unlimited reading service. Then, read as much as you want from over 20,000 titles, including Game of Thrones. With over 20,000 titles, they seriously have every genre imaginable. Sci-fi, superheroes, crime noir, horror, and more. If you're into reading comics and you have a smartphone or uh, something like an iPad, a smart device, like a, a something with a bigger screen, but even something like a smartphone because they're making those screens so bright, so vivid, and so large these days. They have a reading mode called Guided View that allows you to see the panels and you're able to zoom into them sort of naturally without pinching your screen, which makes the experience a lot easier. And I think in general, if you're using a subscription service, think of it like like a Netflix for books or a Netflix for reading material, a Netflix for comics. You're getting all of these things and all of these stories at one time without limitation. And on top of that, Comixology also produces their own original content as well. So while having a service to enjoy all the stuff that you already like or having an opportunity to sort of naturally discover stuff while you're browsing through the marketplace, you can also come upon original content that's been made within the frameworks of the service itself. And I think that that's a really interesting thing because there's lots of new blood that could be discovered through something like this. We think you're going to love Comixology. And right now you can try it unlimited free for 30 days. Just go to comicsology.com slash thrones to get started. That's C-O-M-I-X-O-L-O-G-Y dot com forward slash T-H-R-O-N-E-S. Comicsology.com slash thrones. Today's episode is brought to you by Hunt a Killer. What is it that fascinates you about true crime? Is it the psychology of a killer or simply the thrill of trying to figure out who done it? Q Hunt a Killer, the murder mystery box that immerses you in an ongoing experience. With every delivery, you'll experience what it's like to be a detective, sifting through piles of documents, evidence, and case files until you catch the killer. Build an investigation board with friends, go online to share theories with other players, or work through the case by yourself. The choice is yours. The year is 2019, and subscription services are more popular than they've ever been. This is the first time I've seen a product that when you open it, you're immediately thrust into a parallel universe where it feels like someone has entered your life and is looking over your shoulder and saying that there's something more to all of this. And for me, that experience is so much more special than, no offense to anyone, but opening up a subscription box and finding a delicious spread of food. 
And this is a, a slightly more personal experience that has farther reaching implications. I'm a huge fan of subscription boxes, and this is a totally different take on getting something cool in the mail. And with Hunter Killer's online service, you're able to take those mysteries further and connect with other people in the community. And I think that's a really special thing. Right now, just for our listeners, you can go to huntakiller.com slash owns for 20% off your first box. They only accept 200 members per day, though, so hurry to take advantage of this offer. That's Hunt a Killer, exactly how it sounds, H-U-N-T-A-K-I-L-E-R.com slash O-W-N-S for 20% off. Did I really? Yep. All right, let me try it again, guys. Killer is spelled differently. I'm trying to give you it's tips. Two L's. It's two L's. One. Killer is two L's. <laughs> That's H U N T A K I L L E R dot com slash O W N S, which I can spell on the first try for twenty percent off your first box. Huntakiller dot com slash owns. The finale of Game of Thrones. Are you ready? Born ready. Stephanie Holmes says, owned to whoever storyboarded the shot when before Danny addressed her army and Drogon took off. Danny had wings, a true Maleficent moment. Justin Schrump, first ever owned to teenage angst Drogon. Welcome. All mom ever cared about was this stupid chair. Now she's dead and my life is ruined. I hate you. <laughs> Anthony Runyon owned to Sansa. Uncle, sit down. And everyone snickers. Good Sansa impression. Heather Bechtold, my own goes to brand for orchestrating his own kingship. Hashtag, why do you think I came all this way? Teresa Chrisage, own to my daughter who thinks Arya is about to discover Florida. <laughs> so sweet. Julianne Ramirez, own to Brienne for finishing Jamie's page in the White Book and for becoming the first female knight, first female Kingsguard, and first female Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Hashtag Brienne the Beauty. Emily Meyer, owned to Sir Brienne of the Kingsguard for finishing Jamie's page in the White Book, even though writing it must have sucked. Hashtag died protecting his queen. Hashtag Bronn came out of the woodwork. Hashtag Queen of the North. Hashtag I'm a little pissed Bran is king. Hashtag John and Ghost reunite 2K19. <laughs> Kevin Bean, my own ghost of stories. The most powerful thing in all the seven kingdoms. I think it's six now. Thank you, GOT, for a great one. Hashtag not bad. Hashtag not bad at all. Heidi Marsh, own goes to Robin Aaron's indifferent investment in the kingdoms and his hashtag glow up. Ferris Court, own to the Westworld 3 trailer. I skipped that one. <laughs> Joni Maxson, own to ghosts for finally getting the pets he was long overdue for. Who's a good boy and who's the bestest boy in the whole world? <laughs> Laura Hager, own to John for being both a Stark and a Targaryen, being killed and brought back to life, defeating the army of the undead, and still ending up alone at the wall with his dog hashtag for the realm hashtag plenty of time to pet me now you bastard <laughs> kevin morris owned to danny and drogon for doing all the preparation work to make king's landing wheelchair accessible oh. construction queen hashtag build the ramps 2k20 yeah they don't have to build a throne now true he's already got one it's true erica fallabelle owned to spinoffs west of westeros beyond the wall and parks and Rex too. parks and wreck to the small council yeah, they're going to build a snake hole lounge in the middle of King's Landing. Oh my gosh, perfect. I would love it. <laughs> I just, I love that you got the snake hole lounge reference right on. I love Parks and I'm rewatching Parks and Rec right now. I fell in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Miller owned a Tyrion for the ultimate mic drop moment when he threw down his hand at the queen pin in front of Danny and thousands of her mm. unsullied and Dothraki soldiers. Hashtag Damn. what's up now? 
Roger Kraut owned to John for doing the right thing, regardless how much it hurt and facing almost certain barbecuing. Dave Clark, Braun owned Davos, master of grammar now too. Danielle Cook, my first and I guess final own, hmm, goes to Tyrion. What he experienced this episode made my heart ache, but to see him at the end, sitting where he belonged, knowing all the hardship he has been through, it is well earned and deserved. Harry Quentin Decker, own to Arya for telling Lady Greyjoy to shut her face for taking to the sea in search of adventure and for still being the greatest of all time. You're doing amazing, sweetie. And number two, own to Tyrion for getting his job back. Number three, own to George R. R. Martin for all of it. Ashley Sanders, own to the actors for trying to be positive about this garbage last season when giving <laughs> interviews. The acting and visuals were still amazing, but I can't get past the lazy writing and lackluster storytelling. I need George to finish these novels so we can get the story we all deserved. Hashtag disappointed. Hashtag brand is the worst. Hashtag at least ghost is happy. Lauren Maselli, my own ghost of John going back to where he felt the most free in the true north with the free folk and ghost. Elizabeth Ann, my own goes to Braun, the master of coin for knowing what the priorities need to be. Hashtag what the people need. Hashtag let the healing begin 2K19. Melissa Lewis, Sering, own to Arya for telling Yara what's up. <laughs> I will cut your throat. Vetsal Patel, big owns to Sir Podrick Payne of the Kingsguard. With a sunglasses emoji. Yeah, sorry about that. Simon Chan Hud's own to warm yellow lighting for finally making a comeback after seasons of very cool blue lighting. Mm. That was such a good own. I like Sean Arevalo owned to Sir Podrick of House Payne. Once a lowly squire, now risen to a knight of the King's Guard. Tracy Frey Van Winkle owned to Braun for basically doing Jack all season and still getting High Garden and a council seat. Hashtag where did he come from? Hashtag kill the right people. <laughs> Hashtag there's no cure for being... What? A, well, you know. Oh, <laughs> hashtag, there's no cure for being a, well, you know. <laughs> Simon Barr, own to John, not for sticking her with the pointy end, but for making the hard choices again and for being the shield that guards the realms of men. Tracy Bolden, own to D&D for giving it a go. I enjoyed it for exactly what it was and own to George R. R. Martin for keeping the last two books to give to the, to give the real story of A Song of Ice and Fire. Ronald Kenneth Holmes, Owned to Sansa putting a stop to Edmure before he even started and owned to the Queen in the North. Molly Law owned to What's West of Westrock. Hashtag Stark Sales. Tammy Reeves owned to The Winds of Winter 2K19. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> On to Twitter, we got Ashley Steele who says, owned to Hot Robin Aaron. Hashtag Breast Milk Does the Body Good. <laughs> Elizabeth Bird owned goes to everyone's favorite onion night. I'm not sure I get a vote, but I love that guy. At Flying Crying 13, first ever owned to Drogon for giving me Lion King flashbacks while he was nudging Danny. Hashtag Long Live the Queen. Hashtag Did this mean Jon Snow is scarred? Oh, depends on how we look at things. Steve Manui, own goes to the Starks for ruling Westeros. Brand the Broken, King of the Six Kingdoms. Sansa, Queen of the North. Arya, ruler of what's west of Westeros. And John, King Beyond the Wall. Hashtag Winner is Forever. Hashtag The Dire Wolf Stands Overall. A time for wolves, baby. Dara Korji owned to Starks for controlling the six southern kingdoms, the North Kingdom, and quite soon north of the north and west of the west. Hashtag Starks don't need no stinking maps. Badger Badger 10 Gretchen owned to Ramin Javadi for finishing out the series, having composed one of the greatest musical masterpieces of our time. Till the very end, you have played for us the Song of Ice and Fire and told the story of Westeros in each theme, in each moment. Bravo, maestro. Bravo. 
Bookum Dano, my own goes to Edmure for being the first to drop out of Westeros de- Democratic Party. Hashtag no totally 2K20. Hashtag make the Riverlands <laughs> irrelevant again. At Beauty Brienne, own to Robin Aaron for making puberty his bitch. And also Jenna Sargent, <laughs> own goes to Robin Aaron for becoming a fucking snack. <laughs> right on. Killing Full circle, me. guys. This is what you get <laughs> for making fun of him for all those years. <laughs> Kate Sizemore owned a Drogon for understanding what truly killed Danny and destroying it. Hashtag for the throne. Hashtag wise dragon. The Lady Shelley. My own goes to Sir Davos for staying alive through Blackwater, Battle of the Bastards, and the Long Night. There's some shade here, so he could correct bronze grammar. <laughs> Cotter Goodbarrel owned a Sansa's weirwood dress. One of the few things I was extremely happy about in the final episode. Olivia St. James owned to Sansa for saying, nope, no more men ruling me. I deserve to rule and the North deserves independence. Hashtag Queen of the North. Hashtag Weirwood Queen. Hashtag We Are Wolves. At Wooly Dub, Alyssa Farman slash Arya owns all the owns. We're sailing west till we hit a shy. John Besson owned to Grey Worm for sailing to North and fulfilling his wish with his love. Secondary owned to Drogon. Hashtag if mom can't have it, no one can. Chris Tyskin owned to Brand, the kid who never went to class, skipped group meetings, and then gets an A on the group project. <laughs> Ozzy Copplepot owned to Drogon for seemingly understanding killing Danny wasn't John's fault. It was the necessary outcome of pursuing the Iron Throne and the toxic lust it created in his mom. Very symbolic. Hashtag, if you Iron Throne, hashtag, don't be a stranger, Drogon. Pauline owned to the Queen Slayer John, who deserved so much more than we ended than he ended with. May he find love in the real North. My own goes to John. This is Silverwing, sorry, who broke his vows to the Night's Watch again and left with the Wildlings. Hashtag John. It was supposed <laughs> to be a punishment. At Billy Shake seventy seven, owned to Sansa Stark, best character arc aside from the Hound R I P in the mm. series. She stayed true and strong, and while she started out wanting to marry the ruler, she became one instead. Hashtag Who Run the World. Peter, at P94 at home, owned to John and Ghost for walking away from the game. Friends till the bitter end. Uh, Frito says, owned to McCumber for, for lending his eye for us all to dwell. Most everyone's mad here, owned to the giant hole in my soul. When the sun has set, no candle can replace it, except the winds of winter. Winky mm. face. <laughs> Amber's son, my own goes to John for being strong enough to know he had to do it and still being a humble person and asking if he was the right king. Or if it was the right thing. Hmm. Yep. That's yeah, what it really is. You said. know how some people do that? They just like <laughs> stop reading and they just assume what the rest of it is. <laughs> if it was the right thing. Taylor Nicole Lewis, my own goes to the queen in Dodnorf. <sighs> Michael Sartan, my own goes to Alyssa Farman, a.k.a. Arya Stark. What a terrific nod to the book readers. Hashtag what's west of Westeros? Question mark, question mark. Hashtag a dream of spring. It MC dies. Own to Robin Aaron, who appears to have pulled a Neville Longbottom and quite tall and maybe a wee bit buff since we saw him. Mm. Daniel Parker, own to Ned Stark for leaving such an absolutely incredible impact on his children to make them all such amazing individuals. He only had to die. Heather McCormick, owned to Edmure, who really went for it and shot his shot. <laughs> Hashtag YOLO. At Shenanigan Life, owned to Drogon for saying peace out to the Game of Thrones on his own terms. Gavlar, owned to all the cast who made this one of the best shows in TV history. At Entertainment, owned to the seamstress who spent the last eight seasons sewing that big tar- 
Tar- sigil, Targaryen <laughs> sigil flag. Jen Calhoun, own to all the glow ups in this episode. So let's go through the list. Robin Aaron, Gendry Baratheon, Lord of Storm's End, Queen of the North Sansa, Head of the King's Guard, Brienne, and motherfucking Sir Podrick Payne. Hashtag be still my heart. <laughs> MRC Tech Talk Star Wars says, own for the story always being about the Starks from episode one to the finale. Emily Dona owns to Grandmaster Samuel Tar- Tarly for suggesting hashtag democracy 2K19 and Tyrion for the Westerosi electoral, uh, electoral college compromise. Ah. South Country 2012, own to the loud cheer my watch party gave when John Pet ghost. Hashtag he's a good boy. Hashtag king beyond the wall. Flannel Falcon, my own goes to the final start montage, but especially Arya's badass wolf boat. Hashtag a time for wolves. Hashtag Starks forever. Erica says my own my own to ghost for finally getting those puppy snuggles he has long deserved. Hashtag the real king in the north. Hashtag who's a good boy. Gary, son of Gary at Gary Maness. Wowzers, what a journey it's been, folks. My final show own ever goes to John for always looking good in black. Hashtag, it was always his color. <laughs> Summer At Summer Days, own to Drogon for being the one character wise enough to understand and destroy the throne, the symbol of the root cause of all his trouble, that lust for power, making that dragon a maester. The Catsy on Instagram owned to our favorite Onion Knight for surviving much to his own amazement as everyone else's. Hashtag calling people on their bullshit to the bitter end. Hashtag compromise. Hashtag bay. Hashtag never getting caught for his last smuggling job. Hashtag unappreciated. Hashtag why can't we all just get along? And for good measure, hashtag Davos Seaworth. So many hashtags. Arlon Z. Paris owned to Braun for his upcoming Westeros bestselling book. Braun Bran. Own to Bran for his upcoming Westeros bestseller book, How to Do Absolutely Nothing and Conquer the World. Braun also kind of, yeah. He has like a Hashtag, chapter in there. How to at least just conquer Highgarden. <laughs> Hashtag Arya on the throne, please. Hashtag Arya kills Bran 2K19. Hashtag <laughs> justice for the Night King. Uh, see, there's lots of different takes. I love Vulture. Owns to Danny for having the quickest, most ungruesome death in the whole series. Hashtag one trickle of blood. Ian Bodinark, owned to Tyrion for hitting a reboot in the future. Victor Penthel, my own goes to Hot Pie, who, according to many well-developed fan theories, catered the Grand Council with wolf bread so the delicious, so delicious, that all the High Lords of Westeros subconsciously became so pro-Stark that they decided to hand out crowns to not only one, but two Starks. Hashtag Hot Pie the Kingmaker. Hashtag Hot Pie the Queenmaker. Hashtag Hot Pie for Master of Whispers 2K19. Hashtag Wolfbread. Hashtag Winterhell. Hashtag A Song of Cakes and Pastry. Jemex Morris owned to Brienne for being the bigger woman. Heart eye emoji. Gypsy Chai owned to Sansa for telling Bran, you're my brother and I love you, but I'm out. Screw you and your kingdom. Hashtag Queen of the North. Hashtag Take Your Crown and Shove It. Body art, body art by Helen, owned to Davos for paying attention to all Stannis' grammar lessons. Hashtag fewer, hashtag Stannis and Manus, hashtag grammar police, hashtag the small moments. Raven, a light, my own goes to the Queen of the North, what's west, and hashtag a boy and his dog, 2K19. Pashme, owned to Sansa for pulling a Brexit and making it look good. Hashtag I vote leave. Hashtag Winterfell fell out of the union. Hashtag Queen of the North. Hashtag that smoky eye slate. Sarah Jane McIntosh. My own goes to John for finally petting ghosts so the internet would shut up about it already. <laughs> I feel seen. Hashtag who's a good boy. Hashtag dog of the North. 
Miss Jody, Owen to Representative Democracy for Breaking the Wheel. Sunshine Sarah, Owen to the Puberty Train that hit Robin Aaron hard. Very particular word there. Never thought I'd say, <laughs> is Robin kind of hot out loud? <laughs> My people. Pawn to King CMD. My own goes to Brandon Tyrion's talk before the Battle of Winterfell. Hashtag, I got this plan to be king. Scissor me Xerxes. My own goes to Samuel Tarly for almost making me think democracy was going to be a thing in Westeros. Secondary own to ghost for finally getting pet like the good boy he is. Hashtag, do the horses get to vote? Hashtag, new king beyond the wall 2K19. Leslie P. Oruk owned to Sir Podrick Payne finally getting that promotion. J-A-H- JLC own goes to my heart for filling up with so much love that I thought it might explode when I saw John and ghost together again. I'm happy and at peace with the ending, but I'm so sad it's over wolf and a heart. Alana Burmette owned to Drogon for melting the throne. If my mommy can't have it, no one can. Kathy Coleman owned to Drogon for his epic final scene. So beautifully heartbreaking. Jordan D. Mertens owned to Lord Commander Brienne for recording the deeds of Sir Jamie Lannister in the White Book, the Book of Brothers, and owned to that book for surviving the attack. Hashtag Truly. read every word she wrote. Hashtag it was beautiful. Hashtag closer. Hashtag send a raven to torment. It seems like White Sword Tower would be a pretty good like target for Daenerys when she's flying around torching shit. I'm glad that it didn't work out that way. Me too. Patel. N01, owned a broad for finally getting paid and calling out the grammar police two seconds later. Hashtag, a Lannister always pays his debts. Hashtag, it's already over. Hashtag, T100 throne. J.M. Fuentes, owned to the Three-Eyed Raven for orchestrating this whole thing to end up on the throne. Hashtag, I love it when a plan comes together. E.B. Folk, owned to GRM for creating characters and stories that break my heart and make me love every minute of it. Hashtag waiting for winter. Hashtag dreaming of spring. Hashtag still not spoiled. G.I. Sizzle owned to Sansa. She played dot dot dot. She won dot dot dot. Rogat clubbed foo. Owned to John for finally putting a dagger in Danny's heart. Duty is the death of love. Holly's Needles owned to that shot of Danny with Drogon opening his wings behind her. Girl, you are the effing dragon. And the final own for Game of Thrones, the TV series from TCAT 101. Owned to Drogon for carrying his mother off into the clouds and for melting the Iron Throne. That's it. Those were the owns for Game of Thrones. Season 8, episode 6. Because we'll do owns of the season, right? Oh, yeah. We've still got to own the entire series as well, which that's going to be a hard one. We got a lot of stuff. (laughs) We got a lot of stuff to own. (laughs) Hmm. Did you ever notice how Game of Thrones, if you say... It like sounds like Game of Owns. Mm, and we all send in owns to each other. It's really fun. Thanks for doing that, everyone. It's been fun. It's been really fun. It's uh, been like a fun way for the Sunday night for me to kind of like come together and sort through everyone's thoughts really quickly. And my own thoughts and feelings really quickly. But also not quickly at all. Just over time, over a very long amount of time. So thanks for joining us on that adventure. We're yeah, going to be doing best. so much more because there's well, we so much Sunday. more to explore. We have the um like the documentary thing that's airing on Sunday. So we've got one more Sunday sort of with a little bit of Game of Thrones before we jump into the void. So I've got I'm holding on to that. We'll be back sometime next week to continue to talk about season 8. We've got a little bit left that we want to discuss, so get ready to own the season. 
we'll send a call out for that on our social media. And you can follow us on Twitter at Game of Bones or on Instagram at Game of Bones or on Facebook at Game of Bones. That's right. Make sure to join us next week. That'll be the first week of this long off season. We're going to have to explore and figure out what all of this is together. The endless off season. The endless off season. That's not true. We've got prequels and stuff. So we got to hope out there. Yeah. I think the prequel might come sooner than the gap that was between the last two seasons too. That could be exciting. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Maybe we could just talk about Westworld season three. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen. <laughs> we'll it. skip the first two seasons yeah. <laughs> and be like, you know, I, I don't think they really set all this up to never, happen the right way. Never seen I just started before. watching it last week, and these are my long term opinions on what Westworld does. What do you think? I've never seen a single moment of Westworld. So perfect, perfect. <laughs> sounds like we're really in good shape. So thanks to everybody for listening to us talk about the final season. Let's get into this. Bye. Before we leave, check out Hunt a Killer, the murder mystery box that lets you experience what it's like to be a detective. Right now, just for our listeners, you can go to huntakiller.com slash owns for 20% off your first box. They only accept 200 members per day, so hurry to take advantage of this offer. That's huntakiller.com slash owns for 20% off your first box. Huntakiller.com slash owns.